Hello everyone and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be talking about how to be a kick-ass single mum. My name is Lucy Good and I am the founder of Beanstalk which is an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. And today hold on to your seats ladies as we connect to New York and the gorgeous Emma Johnson from Wealthy Single Mummy. Now if you... (laughs) I like how you it is it's Emmy with a big old I know, O in it. I, I think I pronounced it totally wrong and I've got further wrong pronunciations to come so you can have further 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 giggles. But for those who haven't heard of Emma, and I'm sure many of you have, she is an award-winning business journalist and founder of the world's largest platform for single mums, which is Wealthy Single Mommy. <laughs> it's the u.s i think people know what's what i did my best in in addition she also has an award-winning podcast called like a mother um she's appeared on are you ready for this cnn headline news time fox news oprah.com new york times wall street journal and has one parents magazine best of web That's quite a mouthful. Um, The main reason I wanted to chat to Emma is because on top of all this, she has written a book which is to be released any day now called, now you'll laugh at this one when I say it, The Kick-Ass Single Mom, which is pronounced very un-American. It's all about being financially independent, discovering your sexiest self and raising fabulous happy children, something that we all want to do welcome emma to the beanstalk podcast oh thank you so much you have been so supportive for a long time and i'm i'm thrilled to connect yeah well i i just feel that single mums wherever we are in the world we um are able to connect through our similarities aren't we even though we are different parts in our single mother journeys there's something about us that is quite unique <laughs> It is. Well, for example, we are, I'm ending my day and you're beginning my day and we realize that we're both in our pajamas. So we have that in common. <laughs> but we would like to add that we both made the executive decision to put our bras on. Yeah, right? Because we're professionals. We're professional single moms. We wear bras when we do professional interviews. (laughs) Now, look, single moms are are different. And I would say good different. We have specific needs and challenges. And I believe that being a single mom is incredibly exciting and enlightening. But what was it for you, Emma, that made you become this incredible voice for this growing group of females and ultimately to write this book? You know, I feel it's so interesting when I sat down to write my book, uh, I guess earlier this year, I, or last year, and I, 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 there was this hidden memory. It was like halfway down. I was married at the time, and I, but I wasn't a mom. I wasn't pregnant, but I, I knew I wanted to be a mom. And I am a writer. Like, I'm a journalist, and this is what I've done for my career my whole life. And I was raised by a single mom, and I've always just been very interested in how like the sociology of single motherhood, right? Like just sort of like in an academic journalistic sense. Like what what was it that the 70s and 80s when all these people got divorced and now I'm a product of that and how is that now playing out in the second generation? So I went to this little uh, 
book writing workshop in New York City and we could bring our little book proposals and learn about the book publishing industry and kind of pitch our our little idea. There was a book agent there. And it was just like a one day thing. I go to stuff like this all the time and I totally forgotten about that because it was probably a good 10, 12 years ago. But how telling is that? Like that little idea about single motherhood that I was I wasn't even a mom yet. And then I now my whole career, like I really, I don't, I'm not really even working as a journalist anymore. All I do is the single mom, uh, work. It's just, it, it just completely aligns all my interests. Mm. So I've been always very interested in money and business. And really that's a huge part of our story, right? Figuring out yeah. how we're going to do on our own. And it's, I think the surge of single motherhood is largely a celebration of everything women have accomplished because the fact that we can be running a household and raising children without a man to depend on financially is a testament to how successful we are. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because you're, you're living it, aren't you as well, what you're teaching, you're living, it's all part of you. So it's so easy to do that, isn't it? I mean, I feel when I talk to you, we're all talking this same language, we've all experienced similar. And sometimes I feel that it's only another single mum can really get you in um, with a lot of the things that you're going through. So it makes it so easy, doesn't it to reach out and help these people? Well, yeah, and I think it's, I found, and this is solely my experience, but I do find it very common that as horrifying as divorce is and and facing this major change, uh, which was not at all my plan A, to become a single mom, I was devoted to being a married mom and a normal <laughs> mom and a normal family. <laughs> and I, but as I just accepted it, I just really, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing um, in my in my life and my professional. And I just really like having autonomy as a mom. And I've enjoyed dating at this time of my life. Mm. And I found that my professional self has flourished. And every part of my life has really um, come into its own being a single mom. And that's my story. And I don't suggest that single motherhood is better than any other kind of motherhood, but it is an option and Mm. it does suit many women better. Yes. And it's, it's a, it's another, I always say it's another path in life and it doesn't have to be just because it wasn't path A. It doesn't mean it's not as good. It could well be a lot better than path A. It's just a different one. And perhaps because like you say, we are, you know, dating at this time in life, we're a bit older now, so we can do it a bit better you would think anyway um (laughs) but I've got a really good question for you I think it's probably one of the best ones of my podcast so far so I'm going to fire away with it now but one of the suggestions that you make which I'm really interested in is that you say that we should say no to maintenance including Mm. child support so I think I'm saying this collectively for all the mums listening why? <laughs> because you are not married to that man anymore and it is not his job to take care of you. It's not his job to maintain your lifestyle because we because we have rights and we have opportunities that our mothers and grandmothers and so many women before us and yet around the world that are not in the developed world like you and I are thankfully and we can earn. Alimony was created to protect women and children in a time when women couldn't earn. We could in the United States, we couldn't even have credit cards in our own names until 1973. Really? Wow! Wow! So, 
the world has changed, but in the U.S. and it sounds like in Australia, the courts and culture have not caught up. And it is when everybody is separated and no longer romantically attached, everybody needs to be responsible for their own lives. Mm. And that includes financially. And that's, I'm speaking specifically to alimony, but let's talk about child support. In the U.S., even in the last few years, there's been incredible movement towards shared parenting being the presumption when families separate. And in the U.S., most single moms are not divorced. They are unmarried. They never were married. Mm. Uh, they might become married, but they will have been an unmarried mom at some point in their in their lives. That's going to be the majority in the U.S. in about one minute. And, um, and in, except for cases of abuse, all parenting arrangements need to start at shared parenting. Mm. This is a human rights issue. This is a gender equality issue. And it is absolutely what is best for kids. 55 peer-reviewed journals in the United States, or the, the journals, are, uh, the, the research has been done around the world, but show that shared parenting, even in high-conflict cases, that is remarkable. Even when the parents are going at each other's throats, it is still best when the kids have approximately equal time with both parents. Mm. So if we have the kids, you know, 50-50, 60-40 with the parents, why is anybody supporting anybody else? You split up things like childcare, which is extremely expensive, uh, healthcare, the sports and music lessons. Yeah, you. But that's not maintaining a house. That's just paying those out-of-pocket expenses that it costs to raise a child. Why are we setting up situations where women are financially dependent on men? The goal is for everybody to be financially independent. Yeah, and I think that it does go hand in hand with your belief that it does have to start at a 50-50 custody. And I think that's perhaps where um, I know over here in Australia and in the UK, um, it's, it is becoming much more normal for it to be 50-50. But I think a lot of the times the women do get the kids more. They kind of, And that's what's expected. And then when you have got that situation where it's not 50-50, then they are... There is a need. They are saying, "Look, well, we need some help. We need some money." So it's okay to say no to maintenance, no to child support um, if you're fifty-fifty. That would work. I can see what you mean there. Um, but what about in that situation where, you know, the dad doesn't want the doesn't want to bring up the child fifty-fifty, and it is an every other weekend situation? Would you say in that case then the, 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 the mum should be getting some maintenance support from the father? Well, morally, we could definitely make that argument. In the United States, what happens is he doesn't pay. Less than 50% of child support owed by the courts, mandated by the courts, is actually received, and the average sum is less than 400 US dollars. Right. So, what is your so? What's your choice? Your choice is you can go back to court, which legally you're entitled to do. Morally, you may very well be entitled to that. You can spend all the time and money usually it takes to go to court. Mm. And then what about all the anger? Yeah. How much headspace is it taking up? It becomes a conflict between you and the man and you're you know, bitching your girlfriends and your parents and everybody that will listen about it and having arguments in with your head about it. And it's all, all negative. Yeah. What if you just forgave that $400 and went and spent all, 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 all that energy and time 
on building your career and blowing yes. that $400 yeah. of the water. You'd be wiping your ass with $400. Yeah. And it changes everything when it goes to court, doesn't it? You can't undo that. The fact that you've been, to, it's got to the point where you've had to go to court <laughs> and you know, if you can keep it out of, out of the courts that's definitely the best thing for everyone including the children and it's really interesting actually because my personal situation is that we went 50 50 straight away Mm -hmm. and um, we had a financial agreement drawn up and we said we would never take money from each other whatever our future circumstances were Um, but that actually didn't cover child support at the time we didn't even really know what child support was because we'd only just broken up and we weren't really aware of how it all worked Um, and just recently I've taken my eldest daughter full-time because she has some conflict um, with her dad in her teenage years so I could go to him and ask for money but we had an agreement and even though it doesn't cover child support I don't want to go to him and ask for money I'd much rather know that I did it on my own and I I just would feel better to do that and if I do start asking for child support off of him it's going to break down you know our already pretty shaky relationship that we've managed to build up since we've broken up Mm -hmm. so it's sometimes I think you do need to focus on other things as well as the money and work out okay if I get this money it's not going to be a huge amount but what am I going to have to kind of sacrifice to get it and if it's breaking down that relationship that is going to then affect your children it's not the right thing to do is it well, I, I so appreciate your story. Um, and I'm going to toss back at you. And you know what the arguments are that women listening to this often will say. And it is, well, it's not your money. It's the kid's money. So it's not up to you. You need to go there and fight for your kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you do. You do. And, I'm, and, I, I, and my answer, I will say, is, you know what? It's... It's it's you know what we're only humans right like on one hand one exactly what you said it feels better I want to show my kids grace I want to show them hustle I want to see them watching me always take the higher road mm. and focusing on what I can control and being a gracious person but it's also we're just humans you know I would like to say oh I'm just gonna go to court with a smile on my face and I'm never gonna be angry because you know I'm the Dalai Lama you know whatever like. I'm not, I'm a fallible human being. And you know, if you're like me, my ex triggers me like nobody else. So it's about knowing yourself and, but it's also, it's like, it's not just embrace your opportunities. If you are focusing on that money from that man, it keeps you so connected to him Mm. and it keeps you so connected to a relationship that is over. And you might not have ever even had a relationship with him. Let him go. Let him go. It is not your job to teach him responsibility or to teach him how to be a father. That is not your job. Mm. Your job is to take care of your kids and live your fullest life. Yeah. And I I think that what people often don't realize as well with young kids is you don't realize when they're little because they don't ask questions. But as they get older, they start asking you questions and they want to know the details. And we don't have to tell them all the details of how we separated and the ins and outs of the monetary side of it. 
but they do tend to find out now like you say if you want to teach them with your own actions then aren't you teaching them a wonderful lesson that you did it on your own that you just went out and did it and they'll follow your lead and they'll go out and be independent successful human beings themselves so you have perhaps not got that money in the bank from your ex but you're getting so much else in return for it so I definitely can see when I first read the question out I'm thinking right what's the answer going to be to this one then but I can see your point and I think a lot of people um, will feel the same way well you're living my point I I mean you said it yourself you know you feel awesome doing it on your own and that is no small thing Mm. this is your life you know Mm. if the kids are taken care of it is your life. Who am I, who is anybody to say that you have a moral obligation to spend a toxic 20 years of your children's existence chasing around a guy? I mean, like it's your life. Mm-hmm. Go feel good about it. It doesn't feel good to be running through court for no good reason and never see the light of day. It feels good to go and have success and pay your own bills and yeah. be independent because you're not, I mean, that's the thing. You are not independent. Okay, financially independent. That's easy to understand. But the other part of it is you are still dependent on him. You're still tethered to him if you're fighting with him. Yeah, exactly. And and I think the less communication you can have with your ex, <laughs> the better. I really do believe that's the way to go. You know, Unless you really need to communicate with each other, don't do it. Because a communication of any kind can turn toxic, can't it? So just don't do it and keep it really simple and to the point. But moving just on to the money side of things, because we were sort of just discussing it then. One of the other things that you mention is the single mum poverty mindset, which of course we all know um, and I think even really hugely successful single mothers have been in that mindset at some point in time. I know that in your book you're going to tell us a little bit about how we can overcome this. I wondered if you were able to share a few secrets with us today about about how to get out of this single mum poverty mindset. Right. Well, you know, and for, and my story is, I think, like most single moms, that when you find yourself, whatever, you're going through a breakup, divorce, pregnant, whatever, however you came to single motherhood, you're like, oh, shit, I'm going to be broke and my kids are going to be messed up. Because that is the cultural expectation. I There's so few, if any, really positive examples of single moms who are thriving, being healthy lives and it being like a normal, healthy family, um, in the pop culture and, uh, and politicians, conservative politicians in the United States for decades have been trying to blame all of our social ills on single mothers, which by the way, I can refute every single one of those claims with facts, (laughs) the actual facts. Um, so, you know, it's, we're, we're humans. We are products of our environment and you find yourself becoming one of these scorned single moms and it is never good news. It's just never good news. So the first task I want everybody to take on, if you find yourself stuck there is figure out where that idea came from. The idea that being a single mom is a bad thing or that it's attached to poverty, loneliness, socials, isolate, whatever those ideas are, where did they come from? It did it come from your family. Maybe you had a single mom that struggled a uh, mom in your neighborhood when you were a kid, a pop culture reference. What is it? You know, Harper Collins, PTA, whatever it is, um, find the root, find the origin of that. Because that's often a real eye opener. 
right? Um, it's, it's a story and where's the origins of the story. And then, um, I referenced this before my go-to, um, tool when I'm having a tough time is gratitude. And we are, we are in such a wonderful era, Lucy, when we as women have such opportunities, women, young women are now the majority in undergraduate programs around the country. I mean, we had in the United States, we had Hillary for a hot minute. She's, she's still with us. Um, we have, we are making so many unbelievable contributions in politics and science and arts and business. And because we can, I mean, look at you and me, here we are in our bras and our pajamas Mm. creating media that is changing the world. Technology is a huge other thing that we need to be grateful for. So focus on all the things that you have that our mothers and grandmothers did not have. Mm. And pretty soon, if you really meditate on all these blessings that we have, you're going to see that you have far more to give than you can even imagine. It is not that you're behind. You actually have an obligation to give back because so many people have fought for these rights before us. Yeah, and I and I think that gra- I love the gratitude thing that you say there, and it's really interesting because I talk very a lot about gratitude as well. And my in my um, with my audience and in my group, the single mum vine, I actually do a post every week and say, "Come on, ladies, what are you grateful for?" this week and but I do it on a a very different level to you so I'm like be grateful for the little things Um, and it just goes to show that you can do it on so many levels so I might say look you know I'll start I'm grateful for the fact that um, you know the kids go back to school tomorrow or I'm grateful that um, my oven started working again (laughs) and other people are really grateful that they've just got into uni or they've just passed an exam or their kids have just done something really cool um, or they've just signed off on a house so that gratitude thing can go from tiny little things to big things and another thing I like to say is if you're ever feeling like you're not doing very well just look around look at the you know look at the food on the table the clothes that you're wearing the clothes the kids are wearing look at the smiles on their faces the roof above your head you know be grateful for everything you've got Um, and remember that you did it as a single mom you've created everything around you and you've got the power to do so much more as well so yeah just love that gratitude thing but on that much higher level of recognizing how lucky we are in these countries that we live in and how the world is moving today yeah, I love I love both of those messages, and they go hand in hand. And then there's some so um, there's some psychologists out there that could help us with this. But there it is. You can condition yourself. I mean, there are people who are just negative, and they're always looking for the negative. And it, and we have, all have our moments, right? No matter your normal predisposition to the world, but you can train your brain to focus on the positive. One of the most powerful things that I've gone through in my life, I went through an extremely hard time and which happened around my divorce. I was, my ex-husband had a brain injury. He had an accident and had brain injury and it's all in the book, the kick-ass single mom. It's very long introduction detailing this very, it was a very, very, very stressful, sad time for my whole family. And I was, got pregnant. I had my second baby. I'm going through separation and divorce with this very unstable man who I loved and could not take care of. And I had a friend at the time and she was going through a very, very hard time too. Totally different. She had, um, her parents were a little older than most of our parents at this age. And, 
and her dad, he had had a brain injury and then he had cancer and he was an alcoholic and then her mother had early onset Alzheimer's disease and as an adult, she, she was single and she was charged with taking care of them plus she had this big job and it was so stressful and horrible, right? And so we devoted, I came up, I heard this idea of having a gratitude practice and she doesn't live close to me. We both live in the New York City area but like an hour and a half away from each other and so I said, I heard about this thing, let's try it and we weren't even close friends at the time, but this made us very, very close friends. And it was like to email each other once a day, like in the morning, email one thing you're grateful for. But we've got so into it that every day we'd end up writing these long, long, long lists of all, like it was really everything, the tiniest things to the biggest things. And it was just this freestyling of gratitude every day. And I'm telling you, I think that saved my life and maybe hers too, because it conditioned me to be constantly looking for all those little tiny things that you talk about. And rather than dwelling on the bad things, you're using that space in your mind to look for the good things. And then that comes naturally, doesn't it? When you start doing it on, you have to do it on a regular basis as you were doing. Yeah, it became it. And that didn't mean that I was not living in hell for the rest of the 23 hours, 40 minutes of my day. But it was the rest. <laughs> had a moment of heaven while you were typing out all of your gratitude. Yeah, but my key, my Mac. Uh, but it, it, but it really made me appreciate how you can train yourself yeah. to, to have a different, any different mindset, gratitude mindset, positive, whatever it is. Totally. I mean, I live on the Sunshine Coast here in Australia. It's so beautiful, and I was doing a drive that I do more or less every day and it is along a coast road um and I, it's just the most incredible views um of the coast that you've that you've ever seen um but you become quite um used to it and I was driving along and um I was thinking to myself god this is such a boring drive I'm so sick of doing this drive Uh-oh. it's so boring and I just looked and I thought god you know I can look at it that it's a boring drive but or I can look at it and think what a beautiful drive. How lucky am I to have the opportunity to do this drive so often? So it's tiny mm. little things that we do all the time. It's just twisting and tweaking the way that we think about them to get out of that mindset. But um, I want to move on to something a little bit more exciting now. I want to talk about sex and dating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a hot topic amongst my tribe. Of course, no one is ever going to date again. We're all over men. But no, (laughs) well, that's wonderful. That's what people say. I'm so over it. I'm so over dating. I'm over men. And then I put up a blog about dating or I post something about dating. And I have like a massive spike of interest because actually we're all still really interested in it. Um, But one of the things I'm interested in that you is that you believe that we shouldn't hide the fact that we date from our kids and I wanted to talk about this because it's something that does come up a lot on my Facebook group you know people are saying um you know when do you tell your kids about your new man and how much do you tell them about the fact that you're going out and you're meeting men um and how do you introduce them so I was really interested with your thoughts which is that we're quite open with our kids about dating yeah, you know what? My kids are in the other room being babysat by some movie, and we're like scrolling. Some, through. I thought you were going to say by some man. <laughs> so random, dude! I just picked up on the way home because I'm a hoe like that. <laughs> um, 
But like we were scrolling through the Netflix of like all these animated films, which thankfully are actually a lot of them are so good now, you know, compared to when we were kids. Yeah. But they're all about ro- they all have romance in them. Yeah. They all have dating in them. And it's like everybody is dating in romance and it's always the same story, right? It's like finding your forever love and like all these fairy tale bullshitty things that are just perpetuate like expectations that are doomed. But it's like, why is it okay for my kids to be bombarded by all these romantic messages? But I am supposed to be this total Madonna and we're not talking about like the eighties pop star. I'm supposed to be this like chaste, sexless mother without any adult woman qualities. Why is that is totally unhealthy that because it's a lie one. It's a lie. It's not true. I am an adult woman that has all the normal adult woman desires, physical desires and romantic desires and needs for companionship in a social life and all of these things. So I, I believe it is our job as mothers to model healthy dating. And that is absolutely precludes lying sneaking or hiding these parts of ourselves from our kids Mm, yeah exactly I I have to say I I I do agree with you in in lots of ways I suppose the worry is is if you end up dating I think people worry about giving their kids the wrong idea if they you know, there's this worry, I'm trying to get my words out, there's this worry about, you know, in, what would you, what would be your thoughts on, do you just go dating and you let them know you're quite open about the fact that you're going on a date, but there's a difference between going on a date and then introducing the guy to the, your kids, I suppose, and if you were to keep doing that, you know, and you went through quite a few guys, would the kids get the wrong impression from that, do you think? Well, what impression are they getting? Our kids are going to date a whole bunch of people, they're going to sleep with a whole bunch of people. Statistically, in the U.S., marriage rates are at a a record low. They are not going up. Our kids are probably never going to get married. They're going to live with romantic partners and probably multiple romantic partners. And statistically, they will be single parents. So what's the wrong idea? All I'm doing is giving them a glimpse of what their lives are statistically likely to look at based not on the fact that I'm a single mom, but based on the fact that they were born in 2008 and 2010. Yeah, so um, you're so you would be very open with them, and I guess you'd have a maybe if you'd had a few dates, you quite like the guy. You might he might come around for dinner, and um, you know, and then you'd introduce him to your kids, and then it it might I suppose as long as if you do it on that much lighter level, and you do introduce these guys to your kids, then a lot of people are worried about hurting their kids because the kids get attached to the guys as well, so. Um, But if you're sort of very open about it and you do bring these guys around for dinner or whatever to meet the kids, the kids are just like, oh, it's just another guy that mum's dating. He might be around for a while or he might not. Then it's a much more realistic way of of them understanding what it's all about. But I suppose the next step with every um, dating thing um, is, and what you actually say is that (laughs) sex during this phase in our life is like the most mind-blowing experience and no one's saying anything about it. So how does it go when you start having him stay over? Is that something that you would sort of put your foot down and say, look, you know, they can't stay over unless I know it's going to be serious? Is it putting a message out to your kids if you have too many guys stay over and you're too open at that point of the relationship with them? 
Well, okay, your kids should know about your sex life, and even if you're a married mom, like that is something that is private with your partner. Um, and I, the rules that I set for my personal life are that it's serious boyfriends that stay over. Um, but that is the personal life that I have. That's my rules for my family. And, you know, I mean, I share in the book, you know, growing up, my mom was single and there would be periods when she would date a lot. And this was in the eighties. Okay. And she get all dressed up and the guys even had first dates, they would come to the house and pick her up because, this was another era, right? And it's not, most of the time they like bring her flowers on a first date. <laughs> she's just like <laughs> normal mom. I mean, she's not like, you know, I mean, not to say anything away from my mom, but like she's a normal Midwestern mom, right? Anyways, she, um, it was like, what's wrong with that? It, it was just great. It's like my mom was always like giddy and she's like dressed up and really, really pretty and the babysitter would come over and it was just, my mom was going on a date and we met the man and like sometimes she'd get involved with them. And like you said, they'd come over for dinner and sometimes they'd have kids and they would be divorced dads too. And they'd come over on the weekends. It, it just was a couple of adults dating. Mm, yeah. And they were, you know, they were probably figuring out the juggle of the kids and the schedules and all these questions you and I are asking, they were asking it themselves but it was like, it was just normal. It was, they were just dating. Why do we have, it's like this puritanical, you know, I think Australia and England and the United States have this puritanical hang up about sex and then women and then added to it mothers. Yes. And it's, we're just thinking about it critically. We just assume that it's bad, but it's not. It's actually fabulous. Yeah. And what, as you say, what kind of message are we giving to our kids? And what will they think later on? I mean, we were saying earlier how you know, when the kids are younger, they don't think as much, but they do start thinking more when they're older and asking questions. And they might look back and think, well, Mum never had any boyfriends. Why didn't she? What kind of... And that's probably a weird... Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Exactly. When you don't date, there's so many negative things. One, it's like, what the hell? Two, it puts so much pressure on the kids to be your companion. And that might not be your intent, but that is, ends up what happening. It's, it's a heavy situation, but like there's emotional incest, it's called emotional incest. It's very prevalent in single parent households when there is not enough other adult support. And that doesn't mean that you need a romantic partner to fill that void, but you definitely need very close adult support, whether it's other members of your extended family, neighbors, close girlfriends, or a romantic partner or all of the above. I mean, I, that's a whole nother show. The fact that we expect our romantic partners to be again, the Disney everything soulmate for us. That's a recipe for divorce and, yeah, and breakups. We need a network of people that love us and we can turn to. So yes. So it's about creating a healthy dynamic in your home. I have a story. It's a friend of mine and she grew up with a single mom who became extremely professionally successful. Like she started off, she was like a store clerk or something and became a wildly successful executive. This was in Europe in uh, in corporate Europe. I, I would say corporate America, but it was corporate Europe. And, and her, she was like, my friend really admired her mom and went on to be extremely successful herself. When she was going through her divorce as a single mom, she, her knee jerk reaction was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to be single and, and solo and lonesome for the rest of my life because her mother was 
always solo throughout her entire childhood. And that was her default. Like, Oh God, I'm going to be lonely forever. So in the course of her divorce, she really connected with her mom, you know, as happens that happened with me. And her mom was like, no, 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 no. I always had lovers. I always had boyfriends on the side. I just never brought them around you. And it was such <laughs> and, and my friend, on one hand, it was like such a relief for my friend because it opened up her ideas about what the possibilities were for her own romantic life. But in hindsight, she's like, I wish my mom had brought them around because it showed me that a breakup or a divorce does not automatically mean solitude. It, mm. it doesn't mean that you're alone forever. It shows that life goes on and you have endless possibilities for love and romance and sex. Yeah, and you talk about solitude there, and that is something that comes up all the time um, with Beanstalk Single. In fact, I recently sent out a newsletter and I asked people to come back to me and let me know what they what their biggest challenges were, what they wanted resources and support with. And um, I got heaps of responses, but pe- people are so lonely um, and they feel isolated. And really, that goes hand in hand, doesn't it, with what you're saying about dating. They, their kids go to dads and they sit at home feeling miserable. Well, get out there and meet some people. And it doesn't have to be a romantic oh, God, yeah. partner. And they get, into a, they get into a rut where they find it. And I mean, I've been there. I, I'm saying they. I've done it as well. Um, we. Yeah, we, us. Um, it just depends where we are on the journey. Um, you're either on that going out and partying phase. You're in the, I, I don't want to ever go out with a man again phase. Or you're, you, you're dipping your toe back into the dating world or you're full flow and loving it. Um, but um, there's so many different stages to be in. But those ladies who sit at home and feel lonely, um, if you do it too long, you find it very difficult to get out there again and start dating. And I think there's a lot of expectation um, with single mums when they do um, start dating again. They go onto these online websites and um, they get disappointed really quickly. And I think if you don't expect too much, you know, you're not very unlikely the first guy you're going to meet is going to be Mr. Right. Go out and have some fun, enjoy yourself. And yeah, if you take away that element of trying to hide that from your kids, it's going to make it actually so much easier for you. And you're not going to be drowning in guilt, are you? It takes away the guilt. (laughs) The word guilt. But um, yeah, there's no room for that. Just get on with it already. Just, just get on with it. Yeah, no. So I really, really love the idea. And you mentioned another show, and I do think that there's so much more that we could talk about um, around that area. It's such an important issue: um, dating, getting back out there, and just being a real woman and showing your kids that you are. Um, but look, we are really um, running out of time now, um, and I could go on and on. Um, I have a day ahead of me. Um, you're pro- you've probably got your bed beckoning to you at this point. As you're- I just want to take this bra off. Uh, Can I take my bra take off? Take it off. Just take it off. <laughs> you know, it's fine. <laughs> I like everything to be real. But listen, Emma, your book is out any day now. Can you just, just tell my lovely single mums listening a little bit about that? You know, what's next for you after the book and where um, they can go to find you? Sure. Thank you so much. So the book is The Kick-Ass Single Mom, Be Financially Independent, Discover Your Sexiest Self, and Raise Fabulous Happy Children. And it is all over every retailer, including the AU retailers I have looked to see. And it is, it's got a lot of memoir in it, but it covers really practical 
and and spiritual things that we were talking about, things like mindsets about single motherhood, and but also very practical things about managing your money, about parenting, co-parenting with your ex, and uh, dating, all about dating. And there's a lot of really amazing stories from other moms that have gone through it and found a lot of success of their own. And I am very happy to say I'm giving away three copies to Beanstalk listeners, and uh, Lucy, you'll help me make sure that happens, but enter to win, and maybe you can give Lucy your email or whatever she needs from you, and we'll get you your books. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll pop it up onto my um, social media platforms, um, and then we can just get whoever would like a copy can just um, uh, sign up. And then we'll pick three winners. Um, I think, I have a feeling that your book, Emma, I would read it and I would breathe a huge sigh of relief afterwards and (laughs) just enjoy life a lot more afterwards. That's a feeling I get from what your book's going to be like. It's about... You know what, today I get the loveliest. um, I have a little tribe of moms that are helping me promote it and got early advanced copies and she wrote me the loveliest little comment if if you don't mind me reading it um, go for it she she said hi emma i wanted to tell you that i devoured your book devoured is in caps again (laughs) it was like it was like listening to the best friend who's navigated divorce before me and wasn't scared to tell me the hard truths but in a loving motivating way I feel empowered and honest, and honestly feel less shame surrounding being a divorced single mom in an extended family where I'm the first woman to be divorced and the only mom of my friends who is divorced. I felt a little like I was wearing the Scarlet A, but I feel empowered now after reading your book. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah, and I mean that's how I imagine um, single mums will feel after it just let loose a bit be yourself and be so proud because we are amazing women aren't we so thank you so much for um staying up uh, after your busy day of promoting your book <laughs> well, and talking thank you to for me getting up and <laughs> i have such a pleasure i love what you're doing i mean we're doing very similar things on our respective sides of the world and it's you know what it's activism it really is activism for all women it is it's and I, I i'm grateful for you thank you for your work no you're welcome and we'll definitely have to get together and and get delve a little bit deeper into some of the subjects that we've touched on today um, yeah. So there you have it, ladies. It is possible to have it all. Um, that's what Emma's been telling us. We just need to read the book and we need to feel inspired. Never mind what the naysayers go on about. We are some of the most powerful, strong and capable ladies on earth. And I work with single mothers daily, so no one needs to tell me this or Emma either. Um, Not a day goes past that I don't see something inspiring and wonderful that a single mum does. I agree. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just, we're amazing. Uh, Someone's got to put it out there and that's what we're doing. So, I mean, I love being a single mum. I embrace it and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, And just in case you listeners are in any doubt, you are a kick-ass single mum. Until Mm -hmm. next time, ladies. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 